0: Welcome to Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul, all of the time. Join me, your host Sam Wiles, as we discover the history, the music and the man behind it all, Paul McCartney. To get in contact with the show, email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Ahoy, ahoy chums and welcome to another episode of Paul or Nothing. Remember, this is widescreen podcasting and the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. I am, of course, your host Sam Wiles. Thank you all for downloading. I hope you're all well, safe and sound. Today, folks, we're going to be kicking back with another classic Paul think, A Conversation With, in quotation marks, episode, where we have no topic, no purpose and no limits as to what we can talk about. Though, for those of you who have read the title of this episode, you can imagine what the conversation might just be centred around. Yes, everyone, of course, I'm going to be joined today by the wonderful Joe Wisby from the Beatles Book Podcast. You also may know him from the Instagram page of the same name. Links for all of that stuff will be down below, of course. If you haven't heard of him, why the hell not? He is one of the hottest new properties on the Beatles podcasting scene, and I know you're all clever enough, folks. His name certainly points at his main subject matter. But even if you think you know everything there is to know about Beatles and books, Joe is certainly going to prove you wrong, especially in this episode today, like he was flooring me with his knowledge of this niche topic in Beatle podcasting history. I had an absolute blast speaking with Joe, it was a real pleasure, a real great time to have him on, and... Aside from a possible future collaboration that we mentioned in the episode, I am so totally more motivated now to actually you know, finish a previously abandoned book or indeed start a brand new one just for the sole reason to have a conversation with him about said book. Have I done that yet? Have I actually started reading since the interview? No, but I'll start tomorrow, I swear. Speaking of which, folks... I must admit, I was a little apprehensive about this episode because I am somewhat of a bibliophobe, a.k.a. someone with an irrational fear of books. And obviously, if you know me, if you follow me on my own social media, you'll know that I buy loads of Beatle books. I buy loads of Solo Paul books all the time. So what gives? Well, I like to own books. I like to have the intention of reading a book and getting that endorphin rush when you say to yourself, yeah, I'll totally read that at some point. But at the end of the day, folks, I'm just terrible at reading them. It's not like I don't enjoy reading them either. It's just that I genuinely struggle to keep up a schedule where I sit down with a book for pleasure over an extended period of time. I love trawling through specific passages for the pod, but once I'm done, I do more often than not, sadly, set the book down. And yeah, anyway, because of all of that, I was worried that me and Joe wouldn't have enough to talk about to fill the hour, but as always, folks, you know, once these conversations get going, they start spinning out of control, and I didn't even have time to ask half of the questions that I had prepared, but hey, like I say, incredible conversation with Joe here. I certainly learned a lot today, folks, and I think you will too. Anyway, I recently ran a poll on the Twitter whereby you all voted this as the most hotly anticipated episode of the month, so I won't keep you. Unfortunately, we can't jump in right away, as we do have to go through the housekeeping. So what's occurring? What's the crack? What do we have in terms of news today? Well, first of all, we have the announcement of a sequel to McCartney's children's book, Hey Grandude. Yes, folks. On November 2nd, 2021, you will be able to purchase Grand Dude's Green Submarine, the hotly anticipated sequel that introduces the character of Nan-Dude. Love it. Honestly, folks, some of you might be rolling your eyes, but I can't wait for this to come out. I can't wait to review it here on the show. The first one was a proper good children's book for what it's worth, and... With the inclusion of a a submarine, I can only imagine the number of cheeky Beatles references that are going to be strewn about this book. Especially since Ringo did a children's book about Octopus's Garden as well. Maybe it's a shared cinematic universe. Who knows? Most importantly though, folks, I enjoyed the unique artwork of Hey Grand Dude and they've gone and got the same artist, Catherine Durst, back on board as the illustrator. Also, follow her Instagram as well. It's well worth taking a look at that. But yeah, expect a review of Grandude's Green, totally not green, because it's based on Marijuana Submarine in the autumn, which is right around the time of the Lyric and uh, Autobiography book, actually, which is quite funny to have them coming out around the same time. Also, folks, on the eve of the 50th anniversary of RAM, AKA the best solo Paul album ever, And hot on the heels of another Macca covers album, we have Ram On, the 50th anniversary tribute to Paul and Linda McCartney's Ram. Yes, everyone, we're going to have a Ram tribute album. But not only that, though, it's produced, co-produced by Denny Sywell and features original session guitarist Dave Spinoza and session trumpeter Marvin Stamm. It's going to be released on May 14th, 2021, and I've already gone ahead and ordered my copy because it's RAM, why the fuck not, and because it actually sounds quite intriguing actually. The cover is a picture of just the RAM without McCartney. Like, it's a very clear visual metaphor for what the project is. It is literally RAM done again but without McCartney. You know, for someone like me who holds Thrillington in such high regard, of course, you know, I'm gonna love this. I'm sure it's going to be made available for streaming also. And expect a review of that on the horizon as well. In terms of said aforementioned other McCartney covers album, a slew of product for 3 Imagined or 3 Imagined has been unveiled and, by the time this episode comes out, likely gone out of stock. Uh, First of all, we have the pink edition of the album. This is an exclusive to the online store for McCartney's US website. Then we've got the exclusive Target Silver edition of the album to contrast the gold one here in the UK. There's gonna be unique artwork in the gatefold for that. I'm not sure if there is in the gold though. I'll be interested to find that out. Um, This unique artwork will also be included in the CD version exclusively sold at Target as well. Then we've got the Barnes & Noble exclusive version of the album. God, I'm saying exclusive a lot. It doesn't really make it sound that exclusive, does it? But yeah, the Barnes & Noble one is printed on blue vinyl and looks very nice as well. And finally, the hotly desired Splatter edition of 3 Imagined was actually restocked, but only for the online store in the US, not the UK, sadly. I'm fine with my gold one, folks. Honestly, I'm fine. Don't worry. And besides holiday tabloid photo snaps of Paul, that really does conclude the news. If you want to get in contact with the show, please email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. I always love reading out your correspondence here on the show. Whether it's your own Paul McCartney stories, your own Paul McCartney anecdotes, maybe you've met the man, maybe you've seen him live, you've got some trivia, your own factoid of your own, maybe you've got a review you want to share, maybe you have to correct one of my own fuck-ups, or you might just want to say hi. Either way, drop an email at McCartneypod at gmail.com got a couple of emails to read out today. The first is from one of our loyal patrons, Lou DiLonardo. Just a quick update from him, really, but I still wanted to read it out. He says, Hey Sam, I got a kick out of listening to the James Paul McCartney episode of your podcast. I remember recording this on a portable cassette tape player with the transistor radio sound as I watched it live. I'm giving away my age on that one, I know, and I'm looking for the tape as we speak. It was also my first listen of Holidays on your last podcast. And as for the new cover album of Macca 3, mm, I'll save my 25 bucks and maybe buy a keychain from his website instead. Play me out, Denny. Cheers, Lou DiLonardo. Thanks again for the email there, Lou. Always nice to keep in touch. Glad you're enjoying the show, of course. It's great, though, to know that one of my listeners out there watched the James Paul McCartney TV special and lived... Like, I was only able to watch it after years of the dust settling, but clearly, Lou, you are made of sterner stuff than I, to have survived such a calamity. Good luck in finding your tape, and I hope you enjoy your new keychain whilst I'm listening to my gold copy of Three Imagined. Our second email today is from a first-timer. His name is another LD, this time Dr. Lawrence DePaolo. He says, Sam, hello from Philadelphia. As I'm sure you hear from many of your ardent listeners, thank you for your podcast. It is my current COVID vaccine and has steeled me through this interminable pandemic. On to Macca, I am, among other things, a pub singer who, unsurprisingly, covers a lot of Sir Paul. Here's the thing, I am a devotee. There are few songs by Paul that I don't like in some way. Yes, in my more honest moments, I struggle to find a good lot to say about most of Press to Play, but... Outside of a few missteps in a 60-some year career, I dig almost all of his songs. My gateway drug to McCartney, as opposed to The Beatle, which were the soundtrack of my youth, 1970s Chicago, was his first solo album, McCartney, which I discovered in college around 1986 or so. Basically, I played it every day for eight hours for a month, maybe two. Every night, maybe pick up a guitar and start singing. Full disclosure, as I can't get every night to sound as good as Paul, it stays out of my sets, and I've been hacking at it for 20-plus years now. Anyway, to the meat of my email. As you know, Side 2 Track 3 is Teddy Boy. Thanks to your podcast, I now must do a deep dive on every song I love by McCartney. So basically all of them. This morning, as I was preparing my coffee... Teddy Boy came up on my feed, taking me back to my youth, memories of happy, plague free eras, etc. So, I did some research on the critical response to Teddy Boy when it came out. I was astonished at this vitriolic response to the track. Lennon had some particularly unflattering square dance related comments during Get Back. The critics were scathing. Your podcast, Paul or Nothing, has been an antidote to the shade that has been thrown at Paul for his seemingly unpardonable sin for not wanting to be a Beatle until some churchyard takes him. For the rest of us, you, my friend, are the mouthpiece. Other podcasters don't count. You do what few others do. You listen. After 50-plus years, or 30-plus, or 20-plus, or after a few months, McCartney 3... You listen, and listen again. As you said in response to McCartney 3, we won't know if this album is good for years. To, summa- to summarise, you do what critics will not, namely, allow a song to marinate in the public's consciousness and allow sounder judgement to eventually prevail. And so, thanks for all you do. We'll have to wait a bit on Lavatory Lil, though. Be well, and thanks again, LD. Well, firstly, Doctor thank you for emailing in. That was a lot of fun to read out here on the show. And it, it did get me nostalgic for the days when I would poorly strum something like Country Dreamer or Another Day in my own uni dorm room. Now, i got to say, I really am touched by your kind words about me and the show. If you knew me in real life, you would know that I have an inherently huge problem with listening. But yeah, I, I do appreciate your comments, you know, it's. It's so heartwarming to see that people have been responding so well to the show, especially lately. Because in this whole time, I have tried to make it genuinely informative and unique, as well as being entertaining. And I know that that style isn't for everyone, but I'm glad some of you out there are digging it in the way we do things here at Poor or Nothing. Specifically for you, though, Doc, thank you so much for writing in. And good luck. With your complete reassessment of McCartney's back catalogue, I would love to hear back from some new revelations you may or may not have. It's going to take you a while, of course, though hopefully the show will be sufficient company in the meantime. If you'd like to be like LD or LD, please get in contact with the show at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. For more day-to-day updates and silliness, follow us on our Twitter, which is at McCartney Pod for bonus Paul or Nothing content that is yet on the show check out our sister blog yes check out paulmccartneypod.wordpress.com for some Paul or Nothing written form content find us on the socials find us on Facebook Instagram and YouTube simply by typing in Paul or Nothing or Paul McCartney podcast on the YouTube page now you can find a highlights video that was for today's episode That was a video I put out where I did the best 15 minutes of the episode you're about to hear now. It's something that I've been playing around with, you know, the idea of putting out 10, 15 minutes of an episode to get people excited, get people drawn more towards the YouTube page. And so if you aren't following us on YouTube right now, folks, please make sure you are, because I am going to be experimenting even further with video content. Something else you can do, you can leave a review for the show. Yes, everyone, if you you want to help us out right now in a way that takes less than 30 seconds, please leave us a review on whatever platform you're using. If it's on YouTube, give us the old thumbs up. If you wouldn't mind, preferably a positive review. And if you could write something lovely about us as well, say how much you enjoy the show, well, that would just mean the world as well, wouldn't it? Of course, the better the reviews, the more we're pushed up in the algorithms, the more exposure the show gets. Though, we have finally broken the top 40 music commentary podcasts in my home country of the UK, which is absolutely crazy now. So I guess some of you out there are doing it. But hey, folks, a couple more reviews wouldn't hurt. Speaking of an extra couple, though, we've got to move on to the Patreon now. Yes, of course, as you know, folks, Patreon is the platform by which you, the public, can support independent content creators such as myself. And up until quite recently, the Patreon has been more of a glorified gofundme that kindly souls have been dutifully contributing towards you know helping to keep the lights running on the show really maintenance costs that sort of thing but now i'm giving you a bit more bang for your buck there are loads of new benefits available through the patreon episodes are released two days early so if you're listening to this on the friday when this episode drops you could have been listening to it on wednesday folks sort it out Raw, unedited audio from past interviews is also slowly but surely being made available, as are all of the scripts that I use for all these episodes. You can see just how heavily scripted I really am. And I've even posted a Lost podcast episode that I did a while back, a little project that I can't even publicly talk about here right now, but I will gladly share it with my patrons, so please... So please consider joining our Paul or Nothing Patreon page to get some extra goodies. At this point now, I also have to give a huge shout out to our two new patrons, Mr. Chris Atkinson and Mr. Richard Driver. Huge thank you for that, of course. Every single patron means the world to me, and slowly but surely, we are building that little crowd now. I'd like to think it is because I am investing more time into the Patreon and making sure Like I say, you get more bang for your buck, and it is paying off, quite literally. Also, huge thanks to Anastasia L. and Richard Biddington for upping their respective monthly patronage. Also, you know, my gosh, folks, it's going to be the biggest month we've ever had this month coming up for Patreon. And, of course... It will all go right back into the show, whether it's the maintenance costs, like I mentioned before, new product to review, getting new guests on, that kind of thing. I mean, the goal one day would be for me to have one of those crazy patrons where I don't even have to go to work anymore, but baby steps, baby steps. And before we start, I just want to thank the entire Patreon family, Mr. Chris Atkinson, Richard Driver, Richard Binnington, Mr. B., Teresa Brader, Stephanie Miller, Lou Leonardo Stuart Cook, Sheron McCoy, Katrina S, Sam Hode, Anastasia L, Robert Carabelli, Tony Versol, Warren Butson, and Matt Phillips. That is everything, folks. Don't let the short run of this episode fool you, folks. We pack a whole lot into this episode today. So without any further ado, let's just cut to my interview with Joe Wisby, aka Beetle Books 123 Go. And now, folks, it's time for me to bring on today's guest. He's another up-and-comer in the Beatles podcasting world, and as far as I'm concerned, a most welcome addition at that. I've already burned through his entire podcast discography, shall we say? Is it what you say? Disc- will uh, go catalogue. Catalog. And despite the fact that I can barely read, I am so looking forward to the next instalment. His podcast is Beatle Books, and as you may have guessed, he is a book-bosomed bibliophile, which means lover of books, for those of you not in the know. He is also a man who has the greatest accolade of any guest on this podcast, in that he's actually been on the greatest music podcast, There Is The Word, with Mark Ellen and David Hepworth. <sighs> I'm stunned, really, I am. Everyone, will you please welcome Joe Wisby to the show. Joe, how are you doing, man?
1: I'm doing good, Sam. Thank you for having me on. Pleasure, pleasure. Have you been surviving
0: the apocalypse in your neck of the woods then?
1: Uh, surviving is about all all I'm doing. But with great distractions like podcasts and books to read, then uh, I'm doing okay.
0: Oh, no, we are in a very fertile time, you know. Who would have known that, you know, the best thing to come out of this tragedy would be so many new Beatle podcasts, you know.
1: <laughs> every cloud, Sam, every cloud.
0: Every cloud. Uh, I always like to start these interviews off with the same question. It's the most British question ever. Where are you calling from and what's the weather like?
1: Uh, I'm calling from a relatively grey... Uh, Sunday afternoon in Colchester in Essex um and as we talk now there's a few uh spots of rain on the window um so it's a pretty average British Sunday afternoon every day is like Sunday as Morrissey once said.
0: <laughs> I think I've got the same cloud because there are just a couple on my window right now as well there you go so before we get into the deep biographical chit chat I'm going to lay the baseline here quick fire stuff your answers need not be but uh my questions certainly are. Favourite Beatles album?
1: Go. Hard Day's Night.
0: Ooh, that's a nice answer. I like Easy. that. I like Easy that. question.
1: As, as, I, as I did say on the aforementioned Word podcast, because I, I'm a big early Beatles uh, advocate and that's the best of the early ones, mm. every time that it goes on, I'm happier when it finishes than when it started. And for me, that's, that's all I need, really
0: possibly the most underrated beatles album closer i'd say as well
1: i'll be back brilliant yeah brilliant yeah
0: it's you know those songs that you kind of write off your first or second way through the entire discography and then you come back like five years later like later and like oh my god this is a triple a track. <laughs> how did i miss this you know
1: and it not a single did never played live just just a song on there you know and let's think it yes yeah, a brilliant song but you know the first the first side especially is just it's just music that makes me happy. And at the moment, especially, that's what we need.
0: That's very valuable. Favourite solo Beatles album?
1: Uh, tug of War. Tug, right, tug, folks, of, tug of War. We're at this
0: point, possibly <laughs> one of my most overrated solo McCarthy releases.
1: Fine, fine. Well, I think Paul's always best when he's got something to prove. So I think yeah. he's got, yeah, he had something to prove for Band on the Run, because those early solo records, despite being much better appreciated now, were not liked. Mm-hmm. He had something to prove after tug of war, because uh, obviously uh, people were talking about John for the last two years, and Back to the Egg wasn't particularly well liked. He had something to prove after Flowers in the Dirt, because Broad Street, Press to Play, no, no one's interested. And he sort of had something to prove maybe Flaming Pie, because mm-hmm. people, people were... Obsessed with the Beatles again after the anthology. So I think he's at his best when he's when he's trying to impress people. And of course, in the Beatles, he was always trying to impress the other guy that was as good as him that helped him write the songs. But tug of war is just yeah. I've, I love all of it really, apart from the um, what you're doing. The Stevie Wonder track. Oh, uh, really? I'm, that's one of my favourite tracks. Of why you saying, Joe? Oh. Well, it's just a bit. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit. It's a bit well, noodly. It's a little bit noodly. Oh,
0: it's so like McCartney too goofy, you know.
1: It is. Yeah, it's, it is. I suppose it is. But yeah, I, it's a bit. Is it, is it? Is it six minutes? Does it need to be six minutes? I, I will say
0: the entire Tug of War archive collection album. once you get all the B sides and stuff? If that's a very juicy collection, I must admit.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. That's probably the, one of the strongest of the archive boxes, actually.
0: In 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 terms of content, like uh, mm. st- stuff that me cheap uh, gets that just use Spotify can access, especially. <laughs> I would kill to access Wings Over Europe seventy two. I really would, but I didn't get the eight billion dollar box set. However expensive it, it was,
1: uh, is that out of print now? Can you still get that? Th- is that I really think, hard to get?
0: I think only the Flaming Pie one's still in print. I think it's really, like, yeah. I think he's just got a huge reserve in a warehouse somewhere. <laughs> What's an unpopular Beatles opinion that you hold? A hill that you're going to die on.
1: I'm probably more dismissive of the late period, the kind of six music era Beatles than I should be. I think, um, well, not that I should be, but that then is a bit more received wisdom. I think when you're um, when you're like in your late teens, early twenties, and, and you're getting in inverted commas into music then you mm. go for the the white album and you go for abbey road and stuff but i think i just get as i got older i get much more fun from she loves you and mm. from me to you i get more energy and excitement than i want you she's so heavy again six minutes there's a theme developing that i don't like six minute <laughs> lead songs but yeah. yeah the i think probably that uh, that the later period stuff, I'm not as obsessed about. I'm probably more into the some of the solo, spe- specifically the Paul solo, than I am some of the late, you know, than I am the White Album. or, dare I say, Abbey Road, even.
0: I kind of get that. I mean, I'm I'm the most biased person on earth to set to agree with that with with that opinion. But going back to things like Please Please Me and with the Beatles, there is still a rush, you know, in the way that you know you could imagine some middle-aged man having a midlife crisis gets on a Harley again. He's like, oh, oh, I remember what it was like. You know, you still get that from, you know, something some like Twist and Shout. I totally get that.
1: I'll be on that Harley soon, probably. And I'll have, you know, Twist and Shout on my headphones <laughs> while <laughs> I'm going down like the A6 past the, past the Slough Interchange or whatever, you know.
0: Do you have an unpopular solo Beatles opinion?
1: Uh, Plastic Kono Band is terrible. The, is
0: my...
1: the, the band or the album? Oh, the album. Yeah. Oh. John Lennon, Pasagana Band is a, a record that I get absolutely no joy from listening to because obviously it's a man in great pain. Mm. And I'm, re- not, I'm not into men in great pain in any, in any way. <laughs> and I don't want to listen to... And, you know, hey, listen, I understand it's artistic merit. I understand that, you know, stripped back, kind of really basic playing, just Ringo and Klaus on there. Uh, I get all that, but I just get no joy from almost anything on there. What's, what do I like? I, pr- I quite like God. God's, you know, quite is, is 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 a great song, but I just get no pleasure from it. And this box set, which is um, forthcoming uh, or out, depending on when you're listening to this, it's
0: been coming for about eight years now, hasn't it? I feel I feel like this is the most. I've heard, I've heard every podcast talking about it. Yeah, in time since memoriam. Now, you know,
1: I, I, I just think that great thing that Peter Feed said when he was on um, when he's a guest on another podcast that we won't talk about necessarily. Um, when he when he talked about Paul and John, and he compared those the sessions for Give Me Some Truth when he's recording Imagine, and he and then just if you compare that to a little clip of Wingspan where Paul's playing with the kids at the, on the side of the swimming pool or whatever, you know, where would you rather be? Would yeah. you rather be in that room with John the, when the atmosphere is aggressive and angry and loud and horrible and serious and stuff, or would you just rather be playing with the kids by the swimming pool, having a nice time, making London Town or making some just some nice songs, you know, uh, that that for me is probably ties in with my distaste for Plastic pan.
0: No, just doing some basic armchair psychology. Like, the only sad moment on Tug of War, of course, is here today. And that's a very short song. It's over in a yeah. couple of minutes. And then it's straight into... <laughs> da, 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 dun, dun, ball. Yeah, ballroom dancing. The most and we're back dancing song. again. Yeah. yeah. You know, We'll get sad, but only for, you know, just this one time, you
1: know. That's all you need. That's all you need. Yeah. That song, I mean, you know, that's... I mean, what a, what a beautiful, powerful, amazing song here today is. What just an incredible piss music. And... It, what is it two minutes 30 two minutes you know it's under three minutes or some, something yeah. like that yeah that's what that's all you need you know you think of all the other songs that have written, been written about john the terror of some of the like the Elton john song or you know or was you know re, or even um the george song or the late great johnny ace by paul simon just n- nothing compared to here today two minutes powerful hit show. but then then we're going to go back out dancing again
0: No, I can't argue with that. I really can't. And finally, for this so-called quickfire uh, session, favourite of the four original Beatle films? Hmm.
1: Well, I had... hmm, I don't know. Probably... I do do love Help, even though it's... Crap. Of its time. (laughs) Of its time. In in certain areas. I I think that... Do you know what I think about Help is? Is that it's so it's shot so well every shot is like a, a you know like a, a mise-en-scene it's just you know the 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 ticket to ride uh, sequence yeah. or the bahama sequence or the stalls we playing stuff it's just beautifully shot the content of it is nowhere near as strong as mm. hard day's night um but i get you know and there's still enough funny lines in there the the uh, when the they're at Buckingham Palace and they think that, and and they they blow the fuse and it cuts to the two guys that think it's the Royal, uh, the Royal fuse that's blown. And, you know, she had a hairdryer for Christmas, you know, that's, that's really funny. That makes me laugh every time. Um, And uh, yeah, probably, probably help. Um, But they've all, all, all the films have got their own merit, you know? I mean, if, if, if I like, if no one gets joy from watching you know, two dwarves chase a bunch of vicars down an airfield, as in Magical <laughs> Mystery Tour, then there's something seriously wrong with you if you don't get any pleasure from watching that.
0: Oh, but conversely, I can't understand anyone who doesn't get pleasure from watching all four of the Beatles kind of bicker with each other on Let It Be as well, because that that's real to me, dude, you know. <laughs> that's how they really were, you know, behind the cameras.
1: Or was it? We'll find out in due course. Yeah, we'll find out. I
0: said it before and I'll say it again. It might be a whitewash, but it'll be the best damn whitewash in town. Oh. Do you know
1: what? We need a whitewash. Just make me feel happy. Take me out of this horrible funk of 2020 slash 2021, and show me the Beatles having a good time. That's all I want to see. I, if if they didn't, then I'm not bothered as much. But just let me. You know, we've all seen that trailer. I don't know about you, but when I watched that trailer, that was oh. the that, so that was, when did that drop? That was just before Christmas, maybe? I think it was just yeah. before Christmas, right? And it was the day that, on the Sunday night, it was a Monday morning, on the Sunday night, they'd announced that they'd blocked the movement of goods between France and the UK, right? There was still no Brexit deal. It was the coldest, darkest, horriblest uh, Monday morning. It was probably <laughs> the lowest point in any in any UK resident's life right oh. and then and then i turned on i, I do what i always do I, I shuffle into my lounge to get to get dressed to work from home as you do and i was just eating my bowl of cocoa pops and I thought oh what's this on youtube what's this new beatles video six minutes and i mean i wish i watched it about 50 times it's just made me so happy it was the perfect timing off that monday morning
0: it's funny it's funny you should mention perfect timing because i'd just gotten Dis- uh, disney plus at that point as well okay and obviously, Disney's got the uh, the distribution rights for that. And the trailer was on Disney Plus. I'm like, yes. Oh, it's on my TV. It's this big. It's in HD and it's the Beatles. I'm going to scream in the cinema. I am. I'm going to, I'm probably. I, I hope I faint. It'll be good advertising for the for the for the podcast,
1: you know? <laughs> I just, there's just there's some footage of you being carried out by, you know, Ken Michaels and, uh, <laughs> and Ken and you know, I don't know, another, another podcast.
0: I mean, if if you say Ken, you know, you've probably you know hit the name of about half the podcasters there are out there. There's A just...
1: lot of Ken's. My first two guests on the podcast were Ken Womack and Ken McNabb. And my missus was like, Is the third is is, is Ken Barlow your next guest? Is he he's just gonna do Ken's? is it just going to be a series of kens
0: oh Ken, Ken, Ken! yeah
1: uh, sorry for the Very... Amer- american <laughs> listeners there uh. there might be some big cory fans over in ohio somewhere sam you don't know
0: no they probably prefer zoo gang and that kind <laughs> of thing so yeah i follow your instagram i'm a big fan of it you are clearly you. quite the bibliophagist i've been hearing lots of book words today great word Oh, the devourer of books. It sounds like a good horror movie villain, the
1: bibliophagist, you know. Yeah, I'm not sure who'd be in the lead role. May- I-, I think maybe. um Christopher like Walken, a- definitely. Really? I, yeah. I was thinking of a-, a cast out of character, Martin Freeman. I was thinking, I think uh, I-, I could see him playing me in the kind of an angry librarian role.
0: Oh, oh no, see, I'm thinking like it's a villain uh, in a slasher with a book for a mouth.
1: <laughs> um.
0: But yeah. I can see that you love books and that I've listened to your podcast. You're clearly an adept interviewer and podcaster. Where did the idea come to, you know, combine the two?
1: Well, the Instagram page started back in our first lockdown in the UK, which was uh, end of March last year, which was the definitely the of all the lockdowns was the kind of scariest because it was all new and horrible mm. and people didn't get an idea about stuff. And the most observed lockdown as well. But hey. So I thought I noticed on Instagram that people did Instagram feeds of just stuff. So there would be, obviously, the main ones like vinyl. So people put up a different vinyl record every day.
0: (laughs) uh, Or
1: or, or, or do videos of, like, records playing and stuff. Um, Or they'll share their keyring collection. Or they'll share their James Bond poster collection. Mm. And I thought, well, I've got shelves and shelves of books about the Beatles. Why not share that? And I just, I can remember just the... That was about ten o'clock in the evening. I found I, I, my first post was Mark Lewisson's recording sessions book. So I took, a, I lit, which is a fantastic book, as oh. we all know. Um, I took a picture of that, put it on Instagram, and kind of, it kind of went from there. And it got some traction. It got about a thousand followers in about a month. And then I started to become aware of the whole hashtag Bookstagram thing, which Ooh. is where which is where people take pictures of books. In kind of flowery arrangements so maybe it would be by a, a glass of prosecco or maybe it will be by a roaring fire and stuff you know it's all very in- instagram so uh yeah. alongside that publishers will send books to people that have a decent following on on instagram mm-hmm. because it's a fantastic way of advertising their books especially during the pandemic when book launches etc aren't happening in bookshops uh, and so on so i started to get contact from publishers that had either existing or forthcoming Beatles books and they would send me through very kindly some sometimes uh some some nice free Beatles and solo related Beatles books and that led to the idea of a few of them said maybe there's a have you thought about interviewing some of the, some of the authors mm. again what they're trying to do is sell a book mm-hmm. so if I've got at that point you know a couple of thousand followers of people that are interested in both the Beatles and books, then they're that's the absolute captive audience of someone that would be interesting buying a book about the Beatles. So I did that, and I've I've loved podcasts for a long, a long time, um, probably for about the last three or four years. And obviously, uh, a lot of Beatles ones I listen to, and the words etc. that you mentioned earlier. Um, and I thought, well, I think I can probably do this. So I just I just took a I just took a, a punt really and sh- uh, reached out to. Ken McNabb, who wrote the "And in the End" book, uh, and has been on um, Glass Onion and some other podcasts, and was a really wonderful, kind, eager interviewee. And I did, my first interview was with him, which was about two hours long, and it was—he literally didn't let me like, ask any questions. It was fantastic. Um, so, uh, and then since then, yeah, luckily, as you said, it's it's grown into a nice. I've got a nice size following currently um, which obviously i'm looking like we all are sam looking to grow but i'm happy with uh, the response that i've had so far so uh, I, I i do that obviously alongside the instagram where i'm taking every day i post another book um i'm on around about the last count just over 400 Beatles and related books which is is clearly the actions of an insane human being clearly no one needs that amount of books about any one subject but for some reason uh, life has dealt me this hand and i'm uh, i currently have shelves and shelves of books about the beatles but i just you know i just love it i love i love all the books me love all the books
0: i totally get that i'll buy a beatles book with no intention of ever reading it you know i'm like i just i just want this in my house in case i ever do want to read it
1: we well, see we've I've, from stuff I've heard you say before. You're not a big reader, are you? You're not some...
0: No, like, I mean I'll lay my cards out here. You know, I guess I'm someone who's never been able to separate the idea of like work and school and reading being a bad or a boring thing. I mean, with all with, with, with all the notes for each episode, it's written like my uni dissertation. It's the exact same font and spacing and typography, and I will get. A big stack of books like that, or with Paul McCartney's name, go down all the th- all, all all sides, and then I'll get every quote that I need on that specific topic. You know, oh, page ninety three, "Band on the Run." Page two hundred four, "Band on the Run," and I'll read maybe ten pages prior to that, maybe you know, just to get a bit of, a, a bit of backstory. But then after that, book closed onto the next episode, the next topic, and a bit right. like cramming for an exam. Eighty percent of what you learn it just goes, and you know, you've got to keep that content going. I mean I bought Game of Thrones during the first, one well, sorry, I bought A Song of Ice and Fire during the first lockdown. I'm still on like chapter 5. I, you know, I've I've got no discipline is the uh, right. is the basic okay. yeah. Well if
1: you don't get joy from it, if you don't get a, a lot of joy from it, then it's not something you know, it's like anything, you know. If if you if you associate reading and uh with being sat in a classroom, you know, it's a horrible English classroom or whatever 10 years ago or whatever it was. Then, I wouldn't say yeah, that
0: about about Mrs. Cox. I really wouldn't. She was she was a Mrs. Little, Cox. To, was yeah. she
1: good? I'm um, she sure was, she, she was, was really an good. enriching teacher. Mrs. Cox, blimey. We had uh, my English teacher was called Mr. Northeast. <laughs> She's a great name for her. I have I have Mr. Northeast and Mr. Mansell was one of my two. And wow. every time, and now this dates me, but every time he would walk past in the corridors, we would just go "nyow" yeah. as he went past because, as I'm sure you know, there used to be a racing driver called Nigel Mansell. All the George Harrison fans will know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I had a teacher called Mr. Jellyman as well, who I would no, know. No, really? Miss, Mr. Jellyman, some, uh, St. Mary's of the Angels, Catholic's uh, primary school, year what five. Where did he teach? Uh, year, oh, was he... year five, yeah. He just taught right. year five. Yeah.
1: Mr. Jellyman. Um, oh, he, if you chose a career in teaching, you would change that name. You would just go, right, you get yourself down deep pole on the Monday morning before you start and go, right, I want I want one Smith, please. Yeah. And then come out of there and be Mr. Smith.
0: Because you, you've just lost them immediately, especially if you're like a, subs, a substitute teacher as well, you're, you're gone.
1: You're <laughs> Mr. Gone. Chilly, man, it's amazing. That will make me smile for the rest of my evening, Sam. Yeah.
0: Just go. Just going off the idea of, you know, forcing oneself to sit down and read a book. I'm I'm, I'm actually doing it for Anthony Rattuno, actually, and... Um, It's going to be, we'll just talk, we'll just talk about uh, Barry uh, Barry Miles' book, what's it called, many years from now, yeah, and I do find that if I'm supposed to be doing something else, I can really get a lot lot of joy out of reading, like if I take it to work, for example, and there's there's no one at the bar, just quickly open the old, uh, and I can blaze through it, but once I'm presented with, oh, I've got YouTube over there, and I've got, you know, the TV over there, and you know, I, I, I'm I what's wrong with this generation. I totally <laughs> I totally under, under un, understand that. But I get joy through audiobooks. I am a, an Audible user. But that's how I, I consumed TuneIn. I've never read TuneIn. I don't think I could lift the, the thing, for one. But aside from the fact that Lewis doesn't narrate it, which broke my heart, it really yeah.
1: did. He um, does the intro, doesn't he? Does, does he do the intro? I think he yeah. does the beginning bit, yeah.
0: Uh, I mean quick question everyone who does a book should do their audiobook yeah
1: Yeah I would I mean I would say so I think it's pretty it's like when you read a biography and it's and it's not that person obviously if it's someone that's dead it's different it's different but like yeah I wonder if on this can you imagine if on the forthcoming Paul lyric book if there's an audio of him just reading the lyrics very quietly and slowly that would be quite uh quite interesting
0: Lover True Lil
1: <laughs> yeah, Oh my yeah. gosh! He would just go and start singing, wouldn't he? He wouldn't better read it. He would just start, you know, doing no, a monthly moon it tonight. Would,
0: it would be in that really cheesy, like you, you know, whenever he like comes up with a song on the spot at Lipper, and it's basically like the same. <laughs> do, 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 do 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 I love you do do yes I do, and it's like it would it would be yeah. like that. It would be that kind of or you know yeah. the uh, the uh, lady but the lady Madonna live kind of voice. What's
1: uh, the other one that he does? The, is it the um. That, that, that little clip of that little video clip where he's talking about a vegan week or veggie week. And no he goes into Mondays. Little, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Name it Mondays. And he, <laughs> he goes into a patois. I mean, that's an embarrassing. There's another one when James McCartney's on GMTV. And oh. have you seen that one? No.
0: Oh my oh, yeah. gosh. I need to see James,
1: this. It's just James McCartney, a notoriously grumpy man, as we, as we all know. Um, but that's yeah. another conversation about why he's, he's grumpy. So he's obviously incredibly, bored of having his dad thrown thrown at him in every single interview which you can you can understand but it, he, he just does his song and then it cuts to a little video of paul going jims are you doing man and it's it's horrible <laughs> look it up okay it no, it's only about 30 seconds
0: are you telling me someone at MPL or apple hasn't sat paul down and gone look paul stop it this is 2019 now yeah no, you can't do that
1: no more you know no, but you say no more, but he never did it when he was young. I can't, if you think of all the interviews that he gave in the, you know, I can't think of him slipping no, into different accents I, that often. I've,
0: I've heard the the Paul Jamaican accent quite a few times, especially on, okay. on her bootlegs and stuff. It starts, um, listen to what the man said. It's like, you know. Oh, yeah,
1: he does that, doesn't he? Yeah. I reckon yeah.
0: all radio edits of that will be chopped off at uh, at the eight second mark, you know.
1: It doesn't bring much anyway to the song that little bit at the beginning but um, yeah um I, I think it's probably wise
0: i'd i mean i'd still like mccartney 2 to have the song frozen japanese on the back of it but that's just my own personal preference you know i i, I actually I sh- think that's weird that that hasn't been just stricken you know
1: it's weird it, how some stuff gets forgotten like that, not it yeah
0: yeah so uh let's let's talk about your shelf space then is it literally like shelves from from the floor to the ceiling covering two walls do you have a yeah vault? well it,
1: i have a spare room where i um <laughs> a, a room for my books well yeah. it's sort of it's sort of like that yeah it's just do you know it's funny i um i'm not a massively i'm a relatively organized person but my my missus is much more organized at the end of 2019 i kind of went out for, to go somewhere well you could go out and go places and I came back, and very kindly, she'd she built like a giant.
0: Oh, I thought I thought you were going to say she reorganized the books on the shelf. Oh, no, 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 no,
1: they were oh. they they're not in a massive order actually. And yeah. she bought this, you know, very very sweetly. She bought this big kind of bookshelf, um, bookcase, bookshelves, and uh, put all the books on there. So now in my in my spare room, which is not alas where I'm recording from now, because this is the quieter side of the house. So mm-hmm. I know that that's that's going to be our primary concern. So yeah, that it's just like a wall of of books. I thought about alphabetizing them. I did at one point. I had a, like an Excel spreadsheet of all the books that I've. Oh,
0: I, had. I like that. That's the kind of
1: but, shit I like to hear. But I I stopped because I just um, I just had too many. <laughs> I was losing track of like. Um, it, took and too, it
0: took up too much memory on your on your PC. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. It, Excel just crashed worldwide <laughs> because of my my one spreadsheet.
0: Oh, uh, so um, how are you buying most of your stuff? I mean, was it mostly eBay before or was there a lot of secondhand shop and charity shop visits and that kind of thing?
1: Well, um, because I'm so I'm a, a, about 10 years older than you, so I started out the collection pre-internet, essentially. So I did used to be a big bookshop. I know pre-internet is crazy. Yeah. Uh, I did used to be a big bookshop goer because I, I used to live nearer London than I, I do now. So I would go into London a lot with my dad when I was about... Kind of 11, 12, mm. and I started getting really into books. But mainly now, yeah, uh, eBay is good to scour. But sometimes you get something on eBay, and it you can get a nice little um, bargain on there because other, other people haven't seen it. Or sometimes it just goes through the roof. There's about five or six titles that are always expensive that are all, that are out of print. Uh, some good exam- some good examples of that uh, of which I, I've got about I've got most of them, but not all of them. Um, May Pang's book from 1983, Loving John, Ooh. is incredibly uh, harder. You're looking at about.
0: I wonder why that's never been reprinted. Yeah. Well, she yeah.
1: says it's because she's working on a new one. Oh, she just okay. the old one. Uh, that's what she says. And she did another book in 2008, which is just photos, which is also out of print. It's also expensive and is also excellent. Um, but you're looking at about 50 bones, 60 bones for the, the May Pang just paperback. Carol Bedford, who was an Apple Scruff wrote a book in 1984 called Waiting for the Beatles, uh, and that, which is a, a really, really interesting book, a uh, really good perspective that she had, and she wrote into the book contract when it was published in the mid-'80s that on uh, after she died, the book was never to be reprinted. Wow. I think, I think, I will say allegedly, in case her her lawyers are listening to this, but I think that's what I've heard anyway. Mm. Uh, so that book is never, that's books is, is really, really expensive. The one that I don't have that is always, always expensive is Pete Shotton, John's great school friend, mm. wrote a book called In My Life, again in the early 80s. In the 80s, you've got a big post John being killed, a massive flood of of books to cash in on that. Uh, oh, sorry, to mark his life. <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, yeah, his book, that's In My All Life, I... uh, is really, yeah. Uh, his book is really, really hard to get hold of, uh, which I, I don't have. Again, £70, £80 paperback in, a, in good condition. You can get them for about 30 if they're, you know, covered in biro and stuff mm. and someone's baby has been sick on the photos in the, in the spine. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're the three. I mean, there are others that are randomly really expensive. There's one which, uh, which Ethan, our mutual friend Ethan at Fans on the Run, he's obsessed with. He messaged me about it a couple of times. It's called John Lennon Called Me Normal. And it's by <laughs> it's it's by Norman Smith, who oh, okay. was there, as you know, was one of the early engineers. Very very limited run of that. You're looking at that goes for like eight or nine hundred pounds if, if that comes up on eBay. But because it's so rare, because it's so rare, and for collector losers like me, then it's um, it, it's a manner from heaven. But I mean, I'm not, you know, I I realised that no paperback book is worth eight hundred pounds. I don't care who what it's about or who it is. So yeah, there were essentially there are those smattering of rare ones that pop up on eBay every now and then, um, and that normally people will, will catch on to, and, and the bidding goes.
0: Is there anything that's eluded you thus far? Are you still on the lookout for any particular texts?
1: Uh, the Shot on one, I would really love—I'd really love to get hold of that. Let's think what else. I mean, there's the George and Derek Taylor book. 50 years adrift which came out in the mid 80s which was a really rare that was like a grand when it came out you know that that's because it was it was like a massive like incredibly limited uh run of that that i think it did come out in a, uh, a more proceed down cheaper version but again it's, i think it's also long ago now these mm. books all came out like 40 50 years ago some of these books there's a couple let me think what I'd, other ones i'd really like to get hold
0: of. A a first edition of Spaniard in the works or something like that?
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean I mean, there's there's something else. You get books like that, like John's two poetry volumes that have been reprinted countless times Mm. in loads. I mean, I'm not someone that buys different versions of the same book. Oh, okay.
0: Okay, interesting. Okay. So,
1: That's where I differ from you in that you'll buy all the different choppers because the shade of red is different on the front. And that's fine. That's perfectly normal human behaviour as well. But uh, if I've got, I don't tend, occasionally I break the rule if the cover is a better cover. (laughs) So sometimes the UK gets really good covers and sometimes the US gets really good covers. Mm. So I will shell out sometimes for the old export duties and pay for a nice a better cover because you know i'm i do like an excessively aesthetically, aesthetically pleasing cover mm. uh, but often i mean there's a good example of that is a former guest of yours i believe howard sounds howard soons, soons. yes soons, yes he's his book fab the u.s version is a really nice 62 picture of paul looking dapper and um uh, smart on the front our one which i think i'm guessing is one that, that you've got if you've got mm-hmm. that book yeah, which i'm yeah, sure yeah. you have yeah uh, it's it's a, a more recent picture of Paul with all this terrible like a multicolored background and stuff, and it looks shit.
0: It looks subpar, Peter Blake. Yeah, it's very yeah massively yeah, subpar, yeah. Peter
1: Blake. Yeah, and interestingly, when I posted that on the Instagram feed only a couple of weeks ago, the photographer Chris Floyd, who's a big Beatles fan, he was like, "That's my picture." I had no idea about that being used on that. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, and then I sent him through some of the, the other because the paperback version has got a yellow background with a, with just that same picture of Paul from about two thousand and seven, mm. two thousand eight. I was like, well, this is the paper version. Like, ah, oh, okay, um, interesting. So it's interesting that he took that photo and that appeared on the front cover of that book, and he had no idea that it had been used. That's so yeah, bad. It's, it's bad. So I think occasionally, yeah, I will delve into a different, um, a different, a different market if the front cover is better.
0: No, that's that's very interesting. Um, one, one, one of my friends always gave me jip for the fact that I would clearly buy a book that was printed after the movie had been announced. So I'd be like, oh, No Country for Old Men. And there's a picture of Javier Bardem on the on the front cover. And it's like, that's not a proper book. That's, that's, <laughs> that's pulp filth you've, you've got there, So Good
1: name for a band, that pulp
0: filth. Uh, so are you into any other Beatle merch then? Do you collect any vinyl or anything Do like that? Do you know that?
1: what? Not really. Uh, Vinyl wise I've got I've got all the The Beatles albums On mono I bought them Not I didn't didn't get the box set I bought I I just about Got them in time Individually Because I couldn't afford The box set at the time Despite working at HMV then So I did have the old 30% staff discount Which I used individually But uh, Obviously Long since departed That particular (laughs) discount card From my wallet Um, I've got Again I've got All the Paul Solo Albums on Vinyl um, Just the the reissue, you know, just the basic vanilla yeah. ones. I'm not, I don't have the archive set and stuff, but yeah, apart from that, really, I'm not really a, I, I, I've got a good sideline in Paul McCartney t-shirts. Ooh, I do okay. like, I I do like me a nice, a slightly obscure Paul McCartney t-shirt. I like, I've been after a back to the egg t-shirt for many a long day. Ooh. Um, But I haven't, I imagine when that archive set finally edges its way out into existence, that, um, They'll do because they tend to do T-shirts and merch around the archive albums, mm-hmm. as you know. So, I hopefully, when Back to the Egg finally comes out, uh, they'll tie him. There is a, there is one out. There is a, a decent Back to the Egg T-shirt out there, but uh, it's ridiculously expensive, and it, has, it takes like six months to get here. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I do like a good pull, a nice pull T-shirt.
0: When I saw him live in 2018, there was a Red Rose Speedway shirt, and I, I, I just I locked eyes on it, and I was like, I know what I'm getting.
1: I know what I'm getting. Yeah, I've got I've got I a Speedway one. I've got I, I, I've got a Standing Stone T-shirt, uh, which is just purple with a little Standing Stone oh on the God. corner, which was an eBay find $12.99 about six months ago. And I was like, have some of that nice medium fit. It's quite, it's, it's quite nice. And I, I just love the idea that no one knows what's, you know, if you think of the percentage of the mass UK population on my way around Asda, on my government-sanctioned trip out, how many people <laughs> were going to... How many people are going to know that Standing Stone? What that is, um, but I do, and that makes me happy. I,
0: I, I really do want a Liverpool oratorio backpack now. You know that, that. I mean,
1: I'm sure they're out there, or like you know,
0: some 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 twin freaks trainers. Like,
1: oh, <laughs> actually,
0: to be fair, those those two faces on a pair of trainers. Now that I'm thinking Perfect. about it,
1: yeah, get an email off to MPL. And you've got, you've got, you've got, get that, get that idea. Right Are yourself. you telling me they
0: don't want to make more money? I mean, we've got what, six editions of uh, McCartney 3 imagined out on the way already?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But that's another conversation. Oh,
0: I got the gold one. I'm so happy. Oh, I'm Good. so happy. Yeah. Good. So. Something I really admire about your Instagram as well is the use of magazines and other kind of monthly prints. Like, that is something that really caught my eye. And I've never really asked anyone on
1: on the podcast this before.
0: What is some of your favourite Beatle magazine content? Do you have any particular favourite publications or writers, anything like that?
1: Interesting about magazines is, going back to what we said before, magazines, when I, when I was about 10 or 11, when I first started to get into the Beatles, magazines were the main way of getting news about... Mm. Anything about the Beatles, obviously, and and solo pre-internet. So my copy of Mojo Q Select, which you pu- you might be too young to remember. Select, Select no. Select Select was a mainly britpop based 90s magazine. Famously came once in the days when you would just get anything free with, with a magazine. It came it came in like a box and it had a, a a small can of Sunkist. Do you remember Sunkist? A sunk. No? And we wore an onion on our belt, which was the style at the time. Yeah. Sunkist was, a, was a, uh, a rival to Fanta in the fizzy orange. Have a Google of Sunkist. It was, in my view, better than Fanta. Um, but anyway. That's it, the hot this, take
0: of the episode, folks. That yeah, is the hot, yeah.
1: yeah. And it also came with a single twirl. You know, a twirl would normally only be a two fingers. Yeah. It just came <laughs> with a single twirl. So that came free with Slep magazine. But anyway, magazines were a massive source of news for me. Uh, and around the time with the anthology, which mm. was a big uh, landmark in a lot of people of my age's uh, introduction to, to, to the Beatles and the Beatles solo, Mojo did this really cool thing where they did three uh, different covers. Uh, of, of. So you had a, a, a different e- three different eras. So pop, psychedelic and kind of white album. Mm. So I've got a massive amount of uh, affection for that magazine, which I had. Another one... Is the Q magazine from that time? I think my third or fourth most liked picture on my Instagram feed is the December 1995 issue of Q because it has the three Beetle, the, the three tools as taken by Linda of the time. So I have a lot of affection for that. Another really great one is a Q, an, an issue with Q, which is which I would recommend to you, good self, if you aren't aware of it already, which is around flaming pie. From 1997. In fact, do you remember I posted on Twitter? They did a, a really good interview with Paul by the journalist Andrew Collins. And they did like a pre, like a review of McCartney's solo albums. Uh, I posted it around Christmas and you commented saying, I'm so glad I was only five because I'd have been raging at this stuff. Oh, or
0: something. Yeah, um, it, it kind of shut on everything bar Band on the Run and Tugger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So that kind of received wisdom of Paul's solo stuff, which start, which that narrative starts to change in the last kind of really since the archive collection started the last kind of 10, 15 years. Um, it, I think even. I think even Ram, which now 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 if you if you have a go at Ram now, then you're you know you're um you're cancelled straight away. <laughs> um but uh yeah so that 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 magazine's really uh I I I get genuine joy from picking it up and flicking through them because they're a nice little think about what magazines are they're a nice little kind of time capsule. Mm. Uh, so and you get some good other content obviously that aren't isn't people related. Uh but yeah. Much missed Q, um, which obviously folded uh, last year. I think was it your year before? I can't remember. I think it might have been. I think it was just post COVID uh, that that Q went. Um, so yeah, and of course, and another good thing about magazines is I'm a big fan of the old Sunday supplements. Mm-hmm. And you get uh, which I don't know if they have another in in the states or elsewhere, but in the UK, uh, the poor paper boys trying to deliver a uh, Sunday's you know Sunday like papers. That's thick, yeah. It's, it's like a it's hugely thick thing with a with different magazines and
0: a cooking one, a home one, a gardening one, yeah.
1: A one for women. Yeah. Get like, you, you used to get like you used to get with the Daily Mail, you'd get female, uh, which of course suggested that the, <laughs>
0: Oh I don't oh my God.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which of course suggested that the rest of the paper was just for men. Um, I think we're oh, Thankfully I think yeah. we're past Those times now um, But yes yeah, So Sally Supplements, She get some really good Beetle uh, magazines but normally It's a time With a promotional Effort mm. on something But uh, Some really High quality magazines uh, Which Again ar- Around the time Of the anthology There's a really good Independent one Which had On the front cover Had the Had three Kind of um, Figures like Plastic toys Of three surviving Beetles uh, with just the word come together on the front. See, I retain that image. That's what a powerful image that is 25 years ago. Right. It's still in my head.
0: No, um, i got to admit, I, I think I'm the target audience for Beatle magazines. It's like, if, if I've got a few quid in my pocket, a little bit of change, and I've already got my bus fare, you know, and I walk past a rack, and there's a picture of John, Paul, George, or Ringo, it's an out-of-body experience. You just find yourself floating towards the
1: cash register. And, and paying your £5.50
0: yeah literally it's it, it I mean the equivalent for the states's been like seven dollars for a bloody magazine which is like <laughs> like that that's almost around the cost of like a cinema ticket now just just getting a couple a couple of hundred words and some high quality photographs but um my, my, my friend Tom showed me uh, from from the latest mojo the other, the other day. Uh, it's got Kate Bush on the front I think yeah and it was you know the classic photo of the quarry men at, um where it's like John Paul and George and they're all really young and like John's very red face because he's probably drunk and they all look like Buddy Holly. There's another photo from another angle that I'd never seen before. And I'm like, do not lose this magazine. Do not ever, because half of this stuff you never find online because Getty Images has like got it under lock lock and key or something.
1: Yeah, Um, that's interesting. So that's, that's a Mike McCartney picture. Yes. that that new one, which was only discovered. I think he only found it this year because I think he's got mm. a book out. He's got a book coming out. Right. Um. I think that's George's brother's wedding, and they were the they were the they were the, the wedding band. Um. <laughs> what what a wedding band! I mean, some of the, wedding, the weddings that I've been to certainly wasn't the Beatles, put it that way. But yeah, that you're, you're right. You, the magazines you do get those images and pictures that um it's hard to find online, even though you can get anything. Uh, sometimes it's hard to 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 actually track it down because you've got to get the right search you could get the right Mm -hmm. combination of words to to bring it up so yeah i i really hope that obviously there were a lot less magazines now than there were when i were a lad Mm. but uh hopefully things like mojo and uncut which have you know and obviously word magazine the much missed word magazine uh, which obviously led to um word in your ear and the word podcast uh uh, oh, Stagwaddy from... game. Sorry. Stag- uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm amazed that they still do that. I'm amazed that they have that. that, that, that I, uh, I do tend to skip that bit at the beginning. I'm not a fan of no, Stagwaddy. No, because
0: they, they actually read out uh, two of my Stagwaddies once. So, oh, yes, I, so I think
1: you told me that. Yeah, yeah.
0: that is, that is uh, you know, on my deathbed, I'll be like, Doc, come, come closer.
1: Come closer. You <laughs> do you know? remember David Hepworth?
0: <laughs> no, my favorite quote of theirs. I don't know which one of them said it was, you know, the Beatles, they didn't make albums, they made records. <laughs> I'm like, what that's, does that even mean? I don't that's
1: know. That's an excellent David yeah. Hepworth impression. If if yeah. there's a market for a David Hepworth um kind of tribute act, oh. uh, um, then you're you're right in there, Sam.
0: Just I, I just need someone else to do the double act hint hint. So, uh, <laughs> um but yeah, what about uh, what about more? Uh, well, sorry, less formal publications like fan magazines or like club sandwich.
1: No, I'm not. I've got I can't, I've, it's, since I've been doing the Instagram, people have a bit like you actually. People do send you things, which I think is very kind, mm. and it, stuff that they don't have room for anymore. Um, so you know, like people that the Beatles book magazine um, that I, I, I got a very very nice man called Carl Magnus Palm. Who is the Mark Lewison of ABBA? Who's a very, oh, very okay. okay. He's a very, very nice man, and he, he often interacts with me. So, shout out to Carl if you're listening. Um, and he very kindly sent me a little, uh, about eight or nine Beatles, little Beatles books um, mm. from the late '80s. There's a lot of stuff about mm. flowers and the dirt on there. Um, but no, I haven't. I haven't really gone in for the fanzine stuff. I think I might have got a feel when I was younger, when you used to like write off in the backs in the back of magazines, you could write off for fanzines about stuff. I but I, I don't have many more. Um no, I'm a firm, I like a nice hard back rather than a, a pamphlet, essentially. But but all those people that did all that great work, well done them.
0: What about um like coffee table books or like just large big picture books? Is that up is up your alley?
1: Yeah, that's, there's a few of those stacked up my alley. Uh, again, cost dependent, um, mm. but there's some some wonderful... There's a really good uh, Harry Benson book. Uh, Harry Benson who was a photographer that went on the first US trip with them. And he's still alive. Uh, he's, I think he's in his 90s now. And his daughter's run his Instagram, at Harry Benson CBE. Is, is it Harry G Benson? Might be. Yeah. I don't know. I think I've got him on
0: Facebook, I, I think. Yeah, Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's... Yeah. he's, he's,
1: he's He's a good lad, Harry. But, he's, but yeah, he did a fantastic coffee table book. I mean, I love that that first US tour. I, I love the photos. Mm. I love, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier, that they just look like they're having the best time. The first US trip, not so much the summer tour, but that those 10 days in, you know, New York, Washington, Miami Beach, they just look like they're just having the most fun you know and it it must have been you know like you kind of look back on your life and you remember that golden summer when you were like you know 17 18 where you had no responsibilities and you had a little bit of money in your pocket um that that's the ultimate version of that isn't it they were just they were literally kings of the world so you know harry benson's book captures that really really well but yeah i love a good um obviously the beatles anthology book itself is uh a weighty tome of a coffee book, uh, sorry, a a coffee table book. So yeah, that and that was never, that was never pricey down, was it? That was never, there was never a smaller version of the anthology book, which upsets some people, but hey, people do get upset about strange things. Uh, What other ones are there? Yeah, you know, there's some really good, some of the, um, Paul Saltzman, who's just done this film about a bit was in India, he's done Mm. some really good books about, uh, obviously about the time in Rishikesh, some really fantastic pictures uh so yeah, I do love I do love. And I got one only recently from like the late nineties, which is uh just called it's just I think it's just called All You Need Is Love and it's just pictures from the All You Need Is Love Day. It's just mm. pictures of them rehearsing, hanging out. Um, one of the last great days, I think. One of the last days of, of the Beatles where, you know, it's a it's a lovely summer's afternoon. They're about to sing this song to the whole planet. They still love each other at that point. Brian is still there. And yeah, some fantastic photos in there. So yeah, I'm I'm all in on the photo books too.
0: No, I recently acquired um, postcards from the lads,
1: right. and oh, it's just it's just Lovely.
0: so charming. And you can't help but read it in Ringo's voice as well, like an episode of Thomas <laughs> the Tank Engine. This one, this one was from John when he was in the bubbles. It's like, oh, oh
1: yeah, I love the one where he see he says to Ringo, he suggests Ringo should make music a bit like Blondie. <laughs> not the late 70s uh, i could try to picture ringo doing heart of glass spinning around a a, a disco a dance floor although I did do some disco all stuff. Over. yeah yeah well, that that works quite well actually yeah but, in, a,
0: um, in, in a kind of good night vienna kind of way you know
1: um, just nowhere near as good obviously
0: definitely so one of the elements that really attracts me to beatles books and i think what would attract anyone to collect them such as yourselves is that there is an inherent nerdy passion behind all of it. Where, like, was it the chicken or the egg, though? Is it inherently nerdy or is it the writing itself from all of the authors? Like, it, you know, Is it written by the nerds and then we all adopted it or was it all written by cool journalists that, that nerds co-opted?
1: I think it's, um, it's probably a bit of both, really. I think that it's interesting looking at the books that were successful and the books that aren't, you know, the books that really got through to people, mm. they tend to be by... So if you look at the the kind of the holy, the kind of fab four, which is Hunter Davis, Shout, Philip Norman, Revolution in the Head, Ian McDonald, mm-hmm. and probably Craig Brown's book is the last one. They're all written by journalists. And certainly Craig Brown, certainly Philip Norman, maybe... To a lesser extent, Hunter Davies—they're not Beatle obsessives. They mm-hmm. were all journalists, you know. I mean, Ian MacDonald was a journalist that that was, you know, that obviously loved the Beatles. But of course, Revolution Ahead's not a massively flattering book in its, in its entirety about the Beatles. But yeah, that's an interesting question, actually, because yeah, the, those books that have really got through tend to be written by people that aren't, you know, like actually the, the kind of books that I'm not really into is, you know, that like those giant like, discography books. You know those mm. books that just list loads of different you know the Turkish print of rubber soul what did that look like how different was that I'm not i I get no real pleasure from those Meticulously researched and you know well done to those people that have done that but it's like interesting you know like the um the Jerry Hammock books, the Beatles recording sessions those mm. b- that have come out recently really you know fascinating books if you're interested in. All like the Beatles gear book. Yeah, you I was know. just
0: going to say Beatles gear. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, for me personally, and which sort of reflects on the podcast, I'm, I'm interested in the story. I'm interested in the characters of the story because it's the, it's the best story ever. We all know that. Everyone listening to this knows that it's the greatest story ever. Um, and I'm interested in looking at you know who kind of made that story rather than the drum skins or you know yeah. and I get that people love that and that's that's cool and it'd be really boring if people love the the same stuff but um yeah I, I, I like to look at um yeah a bit more about the the kind of personalities that made yeah. up that story of all types be it you know I would read a book on Jeff Britton I would read a book on <laughs> you know I mean I would that's probably quite an interesting but obviously you've got a book about Jim McCullough coming out this year um you know I I, I think there's anyone that had any kind of interaction or any viewpoint, I think is, is worth listening to. Yeah, but yeah, it's interesting. Those those four big hitters have all been written by journalists. So maybe we kind of, yeah, maybe, maybe us geeks, we did co-op that story a bit, mm. but uh, who knows?
0: Well, I mean, now uh, two things have happened. One, fans are now writing the books. And number two, they're not all just old white men anymore. And I'd argue yeah. that this is probably the most exciting time in Beatles books, because now you do have, oh, okay, here's a book from just a fan who wrote diaries from that time. Here's the perspective from India at the time. Here's the African-American take on the Beatles, just like anything and everything exists now. Um, Are are there any specific, like, uh, you know, very granular topic books that kind of stand stand out to you?
1: Well, there's a a book which is quite new, uh, written by uh, Christine Feldman Barrett, that's written A Women's History of the Beatles, which is a a brilliant book, and she will, will... Will be a guest or has been a guest, depending on when you listen to this on my sh- on my show. Looking at the importance of the initial fan interaction, female fan interaction with the Beatles, onto the wives and girlfriends, onto second and third generation Beatles fans that are f- you know f- female Beatles fans. I think yeah, there's, there's that's a big, a, a really big uh, area which needs to be looked at. Um, you know, I try and have as many female voices on my pod as possible. You know unfortunately there's not in, in the battle of the sexes when it comes to Beatle authors is uh, 40 love to, uh, or 40, 15 maybe to, 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 to the guys. Um, but yeah, there's loads. Of, you know, I love the Beatles and drugs book, yeah. which, yeah. Which, 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 you know, I, that I think while Mark Lewison is doing Mark Lewison things, you're not going to get a biography. Just Beatles, just, there's no point. You, you can't compete with that. Mm. Um, although, there's an issue in that, isn't there? Because then that's just one, Mott and is just one person writing that biography. Mm-hmm. You know, anything like this, you need to look at different ideas and different sources, maybe. Not sources, different um, perspectives. Mm. But I think, yeah, the way forward is Beatles and something. Like, I'm a big fan of Beatles and the Place books. So Ooh, you, get okay. Beatles, yeah. you get Beatles in Wales, Beatles in Scotland, Beatles in Ireland, Beatles in uh, Beatles in Bath is a good one. <laughs> which is only available from a bookshop in Bath. Oh it's not got God. proper print. So, yeah, I, I need to go to Bath at some point to pick that one up. I was in i was in Bath about two years ago, uh, but I was unaware of the book then, alas. Um, but, yeah, I'm a big fan. So those kind of really specific titles, uh, I think you can do. all. you know, and the solo year is massive. Look, you know, that Tom Doyle book. Man on yeah. the Run. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah which is, uh, is is a great book. Um, it does yeah, you, suffer
0: from a, a problem that all McCartney works have, though. The moment we hit 1980, the number of facts and stories, it's a, yeah. such a sheer drop. It's such a sheer drop. Well, yeah,
1: drop. I mean, that, that, that book's mainly about the, is kind of the focus on the 70s. Um, you know, the, it, you, you, you could do a really great book about McCartney in the 80s and 90s even. You know, you can do, you could, you could get, so yeah, I think, you could do a really good book about George's 74 US tour you could do a really good book about you know you know look at the Ken Warble book that came out about john in 1980 mm-hmm. you know there's there's areas of of ex, ex, uh, that you can really explore there i think that's the way forward rather than just this is the Beatles story
0: so um would your next dream beetle book be based more on a, a, a very specific topic that hasn't been done yet or new information being uncovered
1: I think you're only going to get so much information. One thing that Mike Lewisson's good at is finding those bits of paper and finding that interviewee that's tucked away somewhere that's never spoken to anyone before. I think that's probably his area of expertise. So I think, and that's great. I mean, you, know, we, you, you talk about tune in earlier. I mean, it, it, it when you, read the story in that detail you find all this there's all these little secrets these little tucked away bits uh which which is really fascinating but yeah i think i'd love to read like you know you could write how, how good a book could you get out of press to play sessions
0: oh don't don't do that to my heart please you know there, oh there's God. a thing
1: of there's a guy at probably maybe his lowest point you know, and, and, and they're all
0: still alive. These people. It's 80s. It's not like from the 60s, and they're all pushing 90 now. These are people in got the 50s most and 60s. Them,
1: yeah, right. So you've got him at his lowest point, off the back of Broad Street. Yeah. You could do a read book about Broad Street. He's trying. You know, he's working with you know Hugh a massively successful producer that can't work the magic. We know that 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 those sessions were fraught. We know that he, you know, he didn't tour the album. The promotional campaign was difficult. You know, you could write a really interesting, fascinating book about this guy that this, you know, he's now seen as, you know, the ultimate in in pop stars, rock stars, whatever. But at that point, he really, really wasn't. So that's a really interesting contrast to mm. if you look at the reception McCartney three got, you know, he, he certainly wasn't sat on a sofa with Idris Elba or, you know, whatever the <laughs> 80s equivalent was, Lenny Henry? Don't know. <laughs> You know, you, you, certainly, you, you certainly didn't get that the kind of love that's aimed at Paul now. You didn't get it at any point up until mm. the late, late 80s. So you could do a really good book about that. So I think the possibilities are endless. Just to touch on
0: Paul's fame at the moment, I think we're at a point now where it's too big to fail now. We've reached a point now where, you know, he's got Spotify behind him, Capital, MPL. He, he, there's no way he's not going
1: to be every, everywhere now and they, like TikTok he's on TikTok what the oh, no, hell no, less said um, yeah. I mean it won't fail because everyone's realised how amazing he is now yeah. and people didn't people didn't realise that in the 80s because the other guy that made all the music with him would just been shot and was martyred and, and obviously the, the music that Paul made in the 80s in certain areas was not what people necessarily wanted mm. and it wasn't that well received But now enough time has passed and the music that he's made through the 90s and 90s has been mostly excellent. Mm. So I think people just realise that, you know... And also, things like, off the back of the anthology, people looked at all that music again and they were like, hang on a minute, this is Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney dragging this band into the studio. Uh, It's still the guy who wrote yesterday,
0: everyone. Calm down, you know?
1: Exactly. So I think that's why his fame won't ever be, you know, as long as 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 nothing nasty comes out after he's... after he passes away, um, then I think I think I think I think we're home.
0: No, uh, I don't think anything negative about Paul has or ever will come out. Really. Like the worst I've ever read is like you know he might be a bit rude to family members or he might chuck a bucket of fish over a journalist or something. You know, it's like small
1: time y- stuff. Really,
0: you're never going to get those Alec Baldwin punching the journalist <laughs> photos. You know, Thank I told goodness. you
1: to leave me alone. No, no, no get off. <laughs> Yeah, there is that. Yeah, but no, Paul's fine. Paul will be with us at the very top of everyone's list for a long time to come.
0: Yeah, we've got two more albums at least. I just, I, I know we've you got two. So. more. Yeah, easy. I think, I think he's more fertile now than ever. Yeah, I'd certainly like to see just either something where he just drops the key and the pitch of everything and just starts, you know, doing an album of "Yeah, we're women and wives." Just yeah, do, get, out, get out your system, Paul, and then. Mm, a proper McCartney three, like a sequel to McCartney two, a fireman twin freaks kind of project. Because he uh, doesn't, he doesn't need to sing for it. He could just go do do do.
1: Yeah, happy, you know. I mean, I, I imagine there's something like that that he's been that he's recorded. I imagine that there's stuff happening like that.
0: Oh, um, and he's tireless. He he's working on something else right now.
1: Easy. Yes, as we speak on this grey Sunday afternoon in the UK, he's probably tucked up in the studio hammering out something wonderful for us all. Definitely.
0: So just before we start rounding this this thing out, dude, I just thought we'd um, go through a certain well, the only books that I I could really ever talk about with any kind of expertise it'd be Fab by uh, Howard Soon's Man on the Run, Tom Doyle. Would you be able to recommend any further Paul Paul McCartney reading for me?
1: Absolutely, yes. Um, Going to write this down, folks. I would specifically Paul related the Chris Salovich book. From 1986, which I think it's just called Paul McCartney the Biography, Salovich, S A L E W I C Z, mm-hmm. which was written in 1986, is really the first, really positive Paul book. He, Chris Salovich did that famous interview for Q, where Paul's really relaxed. You must have heard that, where he's talking about um, Yoko. He's in New York. It's not in New York. He's talking about Yoko in New York. Yeah, he wrote. He he wrote on the front of the very first issue with Q was. Was Paul McCartney okay. and the and the interview that he gave for that is now available on a video site, <laughs> and his book uh, is really really good because it yeah obviously it finishes in nineteen eighty six so it's not a huge amount of up to date stuff in there but yeah it's just, it's just really well written and it, it it was must have been so nice for paul to have a book whereas something like shout that had come out you know five years previously and ripped him to shreds for absolutely yeah. no reason whatsoever to get a positive book um it must have been really nice for for paul so yeah i'm a big fan of the chris salovich book the unknown paul mccartney by ian peel uh which alas out of print and again very expensive um is that like is, Paul
0: McCartney and the Avant-Garde, that kind yeah, of Yeah, it's also yeah.
1: known as that, I think, yeah. Oh, okay, a, yeah. It's the same, but that's a brilliant book. I did, uh, he was someone that I have tried to have on the programme, but uh, as yet, negotiations are ongoing there. <laughs> but, because he specialises in, Ian Poole specialises, he writes for Classic Pop magazine, which is the kind of 80s, mm-hmm. specifically 80s magazine. Um, but that's a rig. Really, but that's just about from, probably from... What should we say? When's it kind of start? It started like all the kind of avant garde stuff, like kind of the light and around that, mm. and goes into Thrillington and then goes into uh, obviously the, the Firemen project and stuff, just about the avant garde stuff. So, again, it's like we were saying, it's kind of, you know, really specific area. But if you can, if you ever find that cheap or not quite as cheap, uh, then yeah, definitely go for that. Ian Peel, either the avant garde Paul McCartney or the unknown Paul McCartney, depending on where you find it. What other really great books about Paul? Um, there's definitely some. There's the um I think there's one is it called oh god, I should I probably should have checked this. The, the left-handed Paul well, McCartney, we the left-handed bass player or something. Or that that's a really good look that up something. That's really good. Oh my god, uh, left-handed. left-handed bass book. I'm gonna have a look.
0: Uh... Edge of your seat content here, folks. Playing the bass with three left hands. No. This will be cut out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, I can't remember what it's called It's really good Oh I can't remember
0: What about um Something like Eight Arms to Hold You That's worth Like so much money now like, I'm tempted to get it But it's like Oh
1: Yeah Again Because uh, that edges Toward that kind of Type of book That I'm not massively into I mean I had Chip Maginger On the show To talk about Lillology Yes Which is a really good book Obviously from the John side of things Yeah that's I don't have Eight Arms to Hold You So I'm probably not Best placed to comment On that one um, but yeah, I would go with Salovich, Ian Peel. There's a really good, there's another book by a guy called Chris Welsh, uh, which came out in the late 80s. That's a good, there was quite quite a lot of poor books in the late, uh, in the in the 80s, actually. Um, there's a few kind of really cheap and nasty ones. There's one by a guy called Chet Flippo, uh, which is a great name, uh, which is like a terrible paperback book. Um, Howard Elson, that's another one from the mid 80s. That's like a terrible... That I, I mentioned that in that Word interview that I did. Um, that That's the one that ends with a quote from Francis Rossi of Status Quo. It's, a, it's just a really random way to end about like, Paul well, McCartney is a quote from, from one of the Quo boys. Uh, yeah, I would probably say, but those ones that you mentioned there are, are, are really are really strong. The, the Tom door book is fantastic, mm-hmm. I would say in particular.
0: So two last quick questions and then I'll, Go I, sh- I shall release you from this mortal coil. Straight up, number one, Do you have a favourite Beatle book? Can you select one? Is it the one you first read, you know?
1: I think the Hunter Davies book is, which obviously, as you know, is the only official biography, only because it sets out, without that, all the other books that are on my shelves in the spare room Mm. probably don't exist or don't exist in the same way. He did so... Obviously, he had access to lots of people that weren't with us by the mid-70s, let alone now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the beats of the story that he found, the people that he interviewed, the themes that he, he kind of got across are still being used in, in books today. So your Hunter Davies, um, honourable mentions, revolution in the head, Ian MacDonald, uh, slightly divisive now.
0: Have you read Beatles songs by William J. Dalding? I have. It's I have. much That's, that's on my it,
1: feed. You love that, don't you? Yeah. It's
0: way better. It's so much you think better. So? Yeah, because it's written by someone who actually you think likes most of the songs, especially George's.
1: Yeah. What I like about that one is it's got some good stats graphs and stuff in there isn't it you, oh, you get, you get,
0: like the Paul versus John graph at the end it's like oh, lots of
1: good yeah. stuff yeah it's got that slightly kind of Sky Sports Monday Night Football feel to it which uh, which I quite like but yeah Beatles songs was a big one uh, I got that that was in my first kind of yeah spate of buying Beatles books Beatles songs was one of those yeah no
0: uh, Beatles songs and um, Revolution in the, in the Head they're, they're very good at like bite-sized reading like they great toilet books you know you know, you can you can just pop pop it by the loo. Oh, I'll read about Revolution Nine today. You know,
1: yeah, do it. And then by the time you finish, then you you know you've you've learned something and you've let something go at the same time. So. And
0: and if and if you don't like it, you can tear it out and put it and put it to good use. You know. Final question: Have you yes. read Blackbird? And are you going to have Jeffrey Giuliano on the show?
1: Short answer, or two answers: Yes and no. Quite frankly, <laughs> uh-huh. um, oh, you you were so brave there. You were. What was that? Do you know what? Here's here's a question for you. What was that experience like, interviewing him?
0: Well, that? so funnily enough, it's the second interview I did. But the, the first one wasn't recorded and has been lost forever, you
1: know. It what? Just, because, because you didn't hit record or because... I, I just like, didn't click play. Wow. Oh, sorry,
0: I, I didn't click record, sorry, yeah, and it's just gone. Wow. And so, so many you, so condemning things were said then that he never repeated. I'm like... Ah.
1: Uh, really? So then, but but you then went back to him and said, "Can we do it again, please?" Yeah. And he was happy to do it. Really?
0: Yeah. Like so, when I did it, so when I, when I did that with another kind of mind, where I didn't click for call for the first thirty minutes, yeah. they just repeated the exact same things. You know, even more. You know, eruditely, shall we say? Where we, where with Jeffrey, you know, you kind of just you 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 roll with it. Like, I haven't asked you half the questions that I've got written down here. That's that's just how I prepare for these kind of things. But with him, I was like. Constantly scrolling like up and down. Like, okay, oh, well, oh, we're talking about this now. We're talking about we're talking about that, and uh, making up stuff on the fly. I personally want to have him back on again, just because a it triggers a lot of people and uh, and annoys them, and that's and that's my kind of kind of humour. But I think in fifty years, when he's not here to say these things, people will use that episode as a source where they could be like, oh, okay, this is the real guy, you know.
1: Wasn't that quite early on in your? Poor costing career was it or was yeah. it kind of was could it relatively early? Yeah. about me mid, yeah. about, about midway through because he did yes, I have had a tentative contact from him, but I mean I think his books are mainly unspeakably awful, so i i, I would I would have no desire, to, just my own personal opinion and hey i have not written a book, so who am I to say but I could still have that view um but yeah I have no i mean as there are obviously naming no names uh there's been a few authors that have reached out to me where I really haven't liked the book. So <laughs> I, I think I would struggle to, and that's, you know, I like mo, I like almost yeah. all Beatle books. I think yeah. almost, almost all of them come from the right place, but there was a few, and Giuliano's is one of those, and another one that I will tell you about when we start recording <laughs> that are just, yeah, they're just oh. terrible. And, you know, there's been no point in me having him on to just, you know, to, I... I all the people that I have on, on, on my podcast, I have to really, you know, I really love their books. Mm. Because, yeah, they're, you know, I, you would tell straight away, I'm not enough of a pro to have someone on. But, so, hi, how are you? Yeah. I love this new book about, you know, with the same old stuff that's been in every other book. Oh, I could show so, yeah,
0: my soul easily like that. Yeah, the, yeah that's yeah, where, that's
1: where we're different, Sam. Yeah. That's where we're different. Yeah. Wow! So yeah, the, the Jeffrey Giuliano interview. I, I can't even. I don't think he's been on many other podcasts. I can't think of I him think, on many. I, I other... don't think
0: anyone's had him on. Like he's no. he's been blacklisted.
1: So you've been trying to get him back, of you?
0: I'd like to do part two, a second round. You know, I'd love to hear some of his spurious claims about his relationship with Yoko Ono and stuff like that. Wow! You know? I think I just I like a bit of chaos. You know, I like I like I like you know. Putting out episodes that that not even two legs are brave enough to do, you know. It's a uh... wow. You're not going to get, you know, Rodriguez and Buskin asking this guy questions, so you'll just have to settle for for this guy.
1: Rodriguez and Buskin, yeah, that's terrible. As a, as a you can see why they split up because as, as a duo, that's a terrible. It doesn't go together, does it? Whereas Wiles, <laughs> Wiles and Wisby works much better, I think. Yes,
0: it does actually. <laughs> Wiles and Wisby doing <coughs> uh, doing doing Im, doing impressions and podcasting for years to come. <laughs> Joe thank you so much for coming on, man. This has been a, one, one of my favourite just general discussions. I love having no real topic in mind. We've just been discussing Beatle books. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for coming on, man.
1: My pleasure, Sam. Thanks for asking. Where can people find your stuff, dude? They can find me on the aforementioned Instagram at Books Beatles, where I'm archiving uh, my 400 plus collection of Beatles books for the new book a day. And I'm on Twitter, again at Books Beatles, where you can follow my podcast, um, which is also available at all the usual podcast places, uh, places just known as somewhat unimaginatively the Beatles Books Podcast.
0: Love it. Absolutely love it. I mean, is there a book pun? There could have... Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, I'll
1: leave it to you. You're the pun master. Oh, my gosh. Not me. Not me.
0: Uh, there's no title with book. Uh, there's no song with book in the title, is there?
1: You can, you, you can fish around and pay back writer, maybe, if you can think of anything there.
0: Words of love, uh, but that's more of a Buddy Holly one, I guess
1: when there's when there's the Buddy Holly books podcast then, that, then that'd be a really good name for it
0: it, it, it really would actually yeah that's, uh, that's annoying I'm going to have to do it just to, just to fulfil the pun now I think do it right folks I'm sure Denny Lane has already been playing us out for a, a couple of minutes now so I'm just going to say thank you for listening to the episode of Paul or Nothing go and check out all of Joe's stuff links down below keep safe folks keep listening to Paul Harry Harry Krishna peace and love no autographs play us out Denny
2: A bongo player who kept an extra layer, a tunnel, a pillow mattress in his van. But when the famous groupies arrived with their twin snoopies, nobody's on mm-hmm.